Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro, and I want to welcome you to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Our theme today is uh, the dark night of the soul and in leadership. The dark night of the soul in leadership. I meet pastors often who will say to me, what do you do, Pete, when you want to quit? I'm talking about when we find ourselves in leadership, uh, our world is turned upside down and we find ourselves in a dark night. Now that comes through a variety of uh, events or circumstances, anything from a relational breakdown or betrayal, uh, a shattered dream, uh, someone ha- something happens in church that is so disillusioning. Uh, we have our own dilemmas uh, personally, whether in our singleness, marriage, or our own walk with God, that we are just so stuck, uh, or we find ourselves uh, having a crisis uh, happen, whether it's a wayward child or a car accident or something where we begin to question ourselves in a significant way in God and the church. And uh, our faith up to this point and the way we've led is not working anymore. We've got more questions than answers. And it's like the foundation of uh, what we've functioned on and has not working any longer. We don't know where God is and what he's doing, where he's going and when this is going to be over. And I call it, you know, in emotional like spirituality, uh, in the first course, we call it the wall. Uh, but it's a dark night. It's the dark night of leadership. And it's very, very uh, difficult. It's interesting because last uh, summer, Jerry and I spent a week camping in the Boundary Waters in northern Minnesota. And we were under the illusion uh, that after this boat dropped us off uh, deep in the wilderness and we would spend this seven days canoeing, uh, we were isolated. People couldn't find us. We couldn't find people. And they were gonna, we had a pickup point seven days later. And we weren't really paying attention as we were being left off, uh, and we didn't realize how far away it was. And we actually were under the illusion that we could, on our own strength, canoe back to the original point. And if something went wrong during that seven days, we could get ourselves out of there. And I'll never forget it. When we were, it was the seventh day. We made it the seven days, and we, were, we, we hooked up with the boat, and they took us back uh, to our car. And it was a very long boat ride. And Jerry and I looked at each other, and we said, isn't this a lesson of life? Because there was no way we could ever have found our way back. And there was no way we would have had a strength to get back to our car. I mean, we thought it would take three hours. It really would have probably taken us three days. And we wouldn't have found our way. And I, and I looked at her and I said, that is like leadership, isn't it? We think we're going to accomplish something. I can do that. No problem. I'll plant that church. I'll buy that building. I'll launch that program. And you think, I can do that. I can do that in X amount of time. And then you find out, oh, my God. This is impossible. And you end up in a dark night. Uh, And so I know it well personally and I'm amazed at how many folks uh, find themselves at walls as leaders and wonder what is going on. So uh, there was a a professor at Fuller Seminary years ago named Robert Gulick, and he he, uh, joined with a spiritual director uh, named Janet Hagberg, and they wrote a a work uh, on the journey uh, of the spiritual life. And they took all the best of church history and uh, and scripture and kind of developed this little schematic. And you'll find it in the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book. And, and basically that, that in the Christian life, we all hit walls, not just once, but multiple times. And, uh, but this is the place of transformation. And uh, that 80, their, their thesis was that 85% of Christians in general uh, never make it through a wall when they hit it. Uh, they get stuck, they get confused, they quit God. Uh, and uh, that it's, it's just a critical uh, piece of being an ordinary Christian with Jesus. 
And so we've done a lot of work on developing it as, you know, for, for discipleship in general in the church. And it's very critical people understand it. And the dark night of just being a Christian. But I think leaders in particular, we experience dark nights on another level because we're in leadership. And I think we underestimate sometimes what it means to represent God as pastors and leaders. I mean, to, to be entrusted with the church, to be entrusted with people's lives in the name of Jesus and to shepherd people for him. And thus, because God loves us so much and loves his church, he needs to bring us through higher levels, I'll call it, deeper levels of a dark night than, I'll say, some ordinary people who are not entrusted with this level of leadership. And so this podcast is about not being confused by what's going on uh, because you need to get a grip on this theologically and practically so that God can form you and shape you in these most difficult moments and you don't quit and you stay with him at the wall so he can do a profound work of transformation in you. So my best example of the wall is Abraham. Abraham was a great leader. I mean, you know, he's the father of us all. If you follow his story, he hits four to five or six big walls in his life. The first in Genesis 12 when he leaves his family and culture and goes off to an unknown country. That's a big wall. Second, a famine hits the land in Genesis 12. And then there's the infertility, uh, unable to have children, yet God had promised him children. That's another wall. Then he has his tension with Lot, uh, another wall. Then he's got this marital tension with his wife over uh, Hagar, and he's got to send her away. And he loves Ishmael. He's got to send Ishmael away to die, another wall. And then in Genesis 22, he's got a, his final wall, at least in Scripture, where he's called to, to kill his son Isaac. Uh, I mean, if I was Abraham, I'd say, haven't I been through enough as a leader? What do you want from me? But God had a very high calling on Abraham's life. And we might say enough is enough. God called it a testing or a shaping uh, that he was doing in him. And every time he went through a wall, if you look closely at the book of Genesis, God gave Abraham a new revelation of himself. And so we find him, for example, we find him in Genesis 22, uh, sacrificing Isaac in an incredible moment of pain. Uh, where he is just being stripped of every attachment he could possibly have. And I just remember, you know, I've studied that passage multiple times, and I often say, God, why? Why, why? And uh, if you've been in leadership for any length of time, you have had the same moment, and you said, why, why, why? And uh, my answer to you is because he loves you. Uh, He loves you enough to strip you of everything that keeps you from him, even things that aren't bad in and of themselves, but things that you need to relinquish so that, you can have a profound intimacy with God. Now, one of my favorite quotes is from Truman Capote, where he says, he's the fellow who wrote the book In Cold Blood, and uh, he had this quotation at the end of one of his last unfinished works. He says, more tears are shed over answered prayer than unanswered ones. And so the, the theology that's most important here to understand dark nights in leadership is that of John of the Cross. And that book, written in the 1500s, is one of the great classics of all Christian literature, and I strongly encourage you to read it. Uh, And I've read it multiple times. I mean, I don't know, five to ten times at least, and I refer to it often because it's so countercultural to American Christianity, and especially leadership Christianity that we're exposed to here in the West. And his basic thesis is the ordinary way that we grow in Jesus is through our wires and affections and our DNA being purged and reworked. So God can strip us, 
prepare us and purge our palate and actually change our taste buds. And it's actually the way that God builds mature men and women. And he, he makes a distinction that through willpower and Christian disciplines and practices, you know, there's change that happens in our lives. But profound transformation can only take place in God getting at the deep roots in our inner person and pulling them out. So we're not talking about correcting or restraining our behaviors. I'm talking about pulling out deep roots. And, and he gives a list. He takes the seven deadly sins uh, and he reworks them. And so, for example, it's the only way God's going to get at our deep pride. And, and again, one of the ways you know you're, are, are, of our pride is we are condemning of other people, judgmental. judgmental. We're impatient when other people mess up. Uh, he talks about greed being pulled out of us. That is when we're discontent with our spirituality and compare ourselves to other people. And he talks about luxury being pulled out of us in dark nights. And that he, he describes as when we have more pleasure in the spiritual blessings from God than God himself. And then he talks about wrath, which he defines as being easily irritated, uh, not, again, back in patience. He talks about spiritual gluttony, where we don't want the cross. Uh, we want other childish pleasures. Envy, when we envy other people. And sloth, that is when we run away from the hard things with God. And, and, and so he actually refers to in the dark night of the soul, his great book, Two Levels of the Dark Night. He says there's the ordinary one that everybody goes through. And then there's the, 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 the dark night, he calls it, of loving fire. It's another level, greater intensity, greater cleansing. And some of you perhaps have been through that in life. Abraham clearly had a greater intensity, a second level of a dark night. But the great one of his great insights is God entrusts you with that kind of level of suffering. It is because God wants to entrust you with great levels of revelation and insight uh, about who he is. And he's got a broader, deeper, more profound ministry for you. So I believe in my experience in that if you're in leadership representing Jesus, where our integrity and the quality of our inner lives has such an impact on those around us, God loves us too much to not bring us into some significant dark nights. Dark nights when everything in us just wants to quit. We just say, I'm never going to make it through. I know. I, I've had four or five seasons in my you know, 30 years of leadership where I said, God, you overdid it. You pushed it too far. I am not going to make it through this thing. And it's all your fault. But here are some things that God does at the wall. Because the challenge is to stay with him, to stay with God when you can't see anything. All you see is a tunnel, and it's a dark tunnel. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it is it is just, it is everything in you saying like Jesus, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you just want to jump off the cross. So here's some of the things that are, are critical for us to remember uh, as we're at that wall. First of all, just an awareness that this is God's way of shaping leaders. Uh, it's not that he's after you. He loves you. Uh, this is this profoundly inward journey is the way we move forward. Uh, because at that wall, every time we hit one, we're naming new issues. We're seeing them. And that that we, we see the anger and defensiveness and stuff inside of us. And it needs to be befriended so God can get in. And it is the hand of a loving God leading us to the ground of who we are so we can actually come to our senses. And, and, uh, and, and we begin to see that Jesus himself as a leader was not a superstar. I mean, he was not like 
you know, the charge of the light brigade, you know, you know, Fox's book of martyrs. I mean, you look at Jesus and his dark nights. I mean, just think of the garden of Gethsemane for a moment. I mean, here's Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood. He says, oh, father, it's possible, you know, may this cup pass from me. I mean, God has something for him, a cup to drink. Just like you notice life, I've had cups to drink in leadership. And I say, God, I do not want to drink this cup. Now, it wasn't the wrath of God for the sins of the world, but it was just a cup of God's will that he had for me to do as a leader. And I didn't want to do it. And here's Jesus himself. He is our Lord and Savior, our King. And he says, if it is possible, a deep horror, can, can I fulfill your plan some other way? And he asked God for a miracle of let this cup pass. And the Father says, no. I mean... If Jesus does not get his miracle, why are we always so upset we don't get ours? We're not God. And Jesus models for us a whole new way of being human. I mean, he's not a spiritual superhero. I mean, the writers of the Gospels didn't clean up Jesus. Here he is on his face before the Father, sweating drops of blood, troubled, depressed, as some commentators, as some translations do it. He is struggling. And what an encouragement. And so it's at these moments where our will and God's will uh, clash. Do you understand? There's nothing, the, the issue of my will versus God's will is the core issue of leadership. So here it is. I'm at a wall, and maybe you're at one right now. You're in a dark night. And so Jesus feels it. I mean, he, 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 he weeps over Lazarus. He, he, he's, he's, he's on his face before the Father. He's crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, he really is like the psalmist. You know, two-thirds of the psalms are laments. I mean, he's he's getting real. So we've got to get real about it and not fake it like everything is fine. But he stays with the Father. He waits on the Lord. He sticks with it. And he, he surrenders his will to God's will. I, I love Hebrews 5, 7. You know, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. You know, I I'd like to learn obedience from something other than suffering. But I don't know if there's any other way we're going to learn obedience but the way of Jesus, which is the way of suffering. Uh, if you find another way, uh, send me an email. Let me know. Tweet me on that one. You know, Send me a direct message because I, I, I don't think any of us are going to get around Jesus. He struggles. We're going to struggle. A struggled, learned, prayed for obedience is the true obedience. But you see, what happens in, that, in, in these seasons, in, in, in a dark night, is, is we're actually learning to, to let go. Uh, we relinquish. Uh, I don't have the answers. You don't have the answers. Uh, we're we're in new territory here. We're, we're we're actually surrendering and into a mystery. We don't know. We're like, okay, God, your will be done wherever you want to go. That is, friends. That is the essence of the leadership we offer our churches. Not my will, but your will. I spent most of my leadership life making plans for God. Uh, you know, and I've heard this said. Listen, the Great Commission says, "Go make disciples of all nations." teaching them everything that Jesus has taught us. And that is true. And so that since we know that commandment, there's no need to ask for a specific direction. Just whatever we'll do with the fastest and the best, we should just do it. Uh, that is not New Testament guidance. Uh, that is not living as a sheep being led by a shepherd. Uh, I did it. Uh, it's just not biblical. He, he's a shepherd, we're the sheep, and we hear his voice and we follow him. Uh, that is called the work of discernment. And God is good as love endures forever, but he takes us into valleys. He takes us into holes. He takes us to the cross uh, because 
that is the way that resurrection comes. And it's the way that he transforms us. And so again, this is the normal part of God transforming us. And because we're in leadership, it means that we've got to go through perhaps more, uh, greater, higher levels, more intense dark nights like John of the Cross talks about because the Lord wants to entrust us with greater revelations. But also what happens in, in that grief time of a dark night, because there's a lot of grieving going on, our hearts are emptied. All the junk gets taken out. A lot of junk gets taken out. And our soul gets larger. And, and space is then made for God to fill us. You know, things are birthed. You know, we know God is love. God is good. But it's not just words we preach. We actually like, no, God is love. Like, we say it differently. We're different people. I mean, scriptures come alive. I'm amazed. Uh, I, I, I do feel like a baby in Christ. And I feel like I read scripture and now I'm in the book of Matthew in my time with Jesus. And I just, I've preached, I preached some of these things, texts, I, I, multiple times. I said, I, I feel like a baby with this text. I, I don't even understand it. And because there's just so much God has for us. And I realize it's just, it just, it, we'll spend eternity grasping the depths and the wonder of who God is. But we've, our, our junk in our souls has to be vacated. And for that to happen, God has got to do a profound work in us. And thus the dark night. And also, you know what else happens in the dark night? Uh, we actually learn to pray. I mean, Jesus prays in the garden. Uh, there's something in that. Uh, he needs companionship, and we all need companionship. But, but he, he, he's, he's, he prays. And it really, what is the Christian life? It's, it's communion with Jesus. It's, it's communion. It's, it's, it's listening. It's, it's such treasures, and we learn to pray. So listen, let me encourage you, you know, as we kind of bring this to a close here, some of you listening to my voice, you are in a dark night uh, of leadership. And maybe just leadership in your home. Uh, maybe it's leadership at work. Uh, most of you, I believe, are probably in leading churches or ministries around the world. But there are rich treasures in the wall if you will stay with Jesus and persevere, even when you don't feel him. Remember, we all want to grow to a point, And this is part of being a mother and father of the faith is we follow Jesus, not our feelings. And so whether you're having a, uh, great feelings or no feelings, it's irrelevant because you follow Jesus. Uh, that's maturity. And uh, that sweet tooth is actually removed. And your palate has been changed to taste and see the Lord is good out of a deeper place. But if you'll stay with Jesus, I promise you this. I promise you this. You will not recognize yourself on the other side. And uh, that alone is worth the work. Uh, you'll, you'll get a healthy love for yourself, a, tr a deeper love and trust in God, uh, and a much wider ability uh, to be with people and love them and not have to fix them and save them. And I think also at the same time at the wall, what happens is you find out your deepest heart desires. The false self gets continually shed. Uh, culture, family expectations, I mean, all that stuff gets shed. And we end up in places we never would have imagined. In fact, we end up so different, we don't even recognize ourselves. Uh, and you, you, you become the extraordinary person God actually intends. Listen, to be tested by God in a dark night is a compliment. And it's a privilege. Abraham is the father of us all. He's a blessing to the nations. You too are called to be a blessing to the nations. Abraham could never have known what a gift his life would be. He didn't know a lot of the details. He just followed step by step. So listen, where there's death, where there's great sacrifice and death, there is great fruit and great resurrection. Just look at Jesus. So persevere in patience. Be still 
God's invading you. He's emptying you to fill you. Persevere in your spiritual practices even when you don't have any pleasure in them. And the promise is you will be filled. So thank you. And uh, let me encourage you, if you have not looked at the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship courses, I'm referring to the Spirituality course and the Relationships course, which was just recently released uh, by Zondervan, uh, updated editions and a new edition, uh, let me encourage you to pick it up because my observation and us as leaders, uh, we need to get our framework of discipleship more solid in our own lives. And then we take it to the next level as leaders and applying it on a greater level. So again, check us out at www.emotionallyhealthy.org and our website. And it's been great to be with you. And I pray God's blessing upon you. Mm